you've reached your destination. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. This is going to be episode 23. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson is here as always and returning to the show, one of our favorite co-hosts, Brian Duff, special Thank you. Ranger, our special forces veteran, also the owner of Mind for Survival website. And we're going to be talking about the Nashville explosion that happened on Christmas morning. Very unfortunate incident. I always, as a prepper, look at things from a different perspective. Rather than who did this, how did they do it, why did they do it, I looked at it and said, how would I have responded? How could somebody protect themselves in a situation like this, which as Brian's going to explain is relatively rare. But before we get rolling with the meat and taters of the show, you can follow us on Facebook at the Red Hot Chili, C-H-I-L-L-Y, Prepper, PolitiPrep Podcasts. Also, if you want to check out our, our political commentary, that's also where we broadcast live. It's Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show. Please like, share, tell your friends about our page. Facebook hates us. I got smacked the other day once again because I shared the Johns Hopkins report about COVID. And that apparently to them is uh, fake news, false information, Johns Hopkins. So that's what we're up against. I also dink around on Twitter once in a while, Cowgirl Esquire ESQ is my handle there. And then also, if you can't listen live, if you do, by the way, please say hey, weigh in, we'll share your comments. But on Anchor FM, we are on. Also, we haven't been on Apple on the Wasatch Report. That is getting fixed for those of you that are asking. But we are on seven platforms, uh, the Red Hot Chili Prepper. Also, if you just type in a, or say Google Assistant uh, with your and say the Wasatch Report, that'll play it live as well. Also, please like, share the page, rate the apps as well, rate the show, drive some traffic our way. You can also support the show for 99 cents a month. People are expecting a great discussion today. If we give it to you, would you consider following through and maybe supporting the show? Less than a buck, folks. If everybody did that, we could really uh, do some great things with this show. SuzanneCSherman.com is my website, and you can find a lot of my prepping blogs on there. I am also I have written one that we're going to discuss the basics of today, and then we will link in the show, link in Brian's information as well. Hello, Brian. Welcome back. Hello, and thank you for having me back, you both of you. I hope you you had a lovely Christmas, and you were right out there, man. You got to blog out faster, faster than I did. Good on you. (laughs) That's COVID Christmas, right? You're not out doing a lot, so I'm like, well, since I'm not doing a lot, I'll sit around and write a blog post about it. Well, good, good for you. Um, I, I had written something because this is what I wanted to share. When I first heard about this, uh, you know, you can go down. There's a lot of rabbit holes that are being presented right now. A lot of YouTube videos showing missiles and all other things. We're not doing that today. We're going to be talking about some practical applications, what we know about preparedness and how we can uh, be ready. Obviously, this is an extremely rare incident when we're talking about a bombing in a, in a you know, an residential neighborhood in these United States. But here's the problem. It is a relatively low incident, but it can have a high potential for damage and destruction. And there's also no warning other than that we're going to talk about was a few minutes of a a recorded uh, warning for people to evacuate the area. And I'm going to link on the blog that comes up some an, an interview with a gentleman by the name of Mr. McCoy, who was interviewed 
who said he first heard gunshots in the area, correct? And it was about 5.30 in the morning. So now we're talking about people that aren't really at their situational awareness peak, right? In fact, there might be a few hangovers involved. It was Christmas. Uh, you know, George Washington got the jump on the Hessians in Trenton, New Jersey Christmas morning as well. So this is a time where historically we tend to not really be at our most aware. And there were some gunshots fired in the area. Let's take a moment to discuss what you would say, what, how would you would respond? And, you know, I'm, I'm out in the mountains out here in Utah. We hear mountain, we hear uh, gunshots all the time. No big deal. But if you're in a residential neighborhood in a city like Nashville, somebody's either defending themselves lawfully or committing a crime. But does it seem like, Brian, we'll start with you. That's the situation you might want to race out of your house or run to the window and, and see what's going on. Only if you want to get shot. <laughs> so, okay. No, you, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Brian. No, I mean, even here where I'm at in LA right now, I hear gunshots on a fairly regular basis. Nothing too close and bullets travel a long way. You know, get how you hear over and over again in the news about people getting shot in drive-bys. Innocent bystander in their home hanging out and someone does a drive-by and a round goes through a wall and hits them. So if you hear gunshots, it's not the time to run out necessarily and see what's uh, going on outside. It's hunker down, make sure you're safe and wait for the situation to develop a little bit more. Yeah, and we're going we're gonna to add to that a little bit. Jeff, did you have anything you wanted to contribute on that point? Uh, Brian did bring it up a little bit. I'll just kind of expound on that. This does offer that uh, age-old conundrum in preparedness. Are you going to bug out or are you going to shelter in place? Now, at the time when there's gunshots, yes, you, you're going to shelter in place. You're not going to just go running out the door and try to you know, figure out that you're going somewhere else because you're going to find you want to kind of get an idea where this is all taking place. Is it a half mile away? Are these gunshots is something you're hearing from a half mile away and it doesn't really involve you uh, and you're just going to hang out. But in this situation, we're talking about this bombing and that, uh, that offered, that's when I came up with this thought that, you know, it, it's a conundrum. Do you leave or do you shelter in place? You just don't know what to do because you go outside yeah. and you're hearing gunshots. You go outside. This whole bomb thing was a hoax to get you outside. And now there's somebody out there shooting you. So, I mean, here's the conundrum, shelter in place or bug out. So, that's... so let's let's break it down to what we've heard first. At 5.30 a.m., round of shots. And I'm going by what this, uh, I think his name was Bill McCoy. He's an entertainer and a resident in, in the Nashville area, right where, that, right, right where the incident happened. So 5.30 in the morning, you hear some gunshots. We know right now, don't run to the windows. Don't run outside, like Brian said, unless you want to get shot. So at that point, we want to stay in. But now... And I don't think he heard this. I think he said he went back to sleep. But let's say now you hear warning, evacuate the area. I don't know what PA system that warning was coming from, but it sounded pretty, pretty pervasive in the area. And I don't know if it came from a, a loudspeaker on the RV itself. But if I had just heard, and this is me, gunshots and now evacuate the area, but nothing else had happened, you're kind of wondering, is this a trick? Is somebody trying to get you to come outside where you're going to be vulnerable, particularly at that hour of the morning when we already said you're not going to probably be, be dressed, be ready to go, or alert enough to even deal with this. So now we're going to ratchet it up a notch. We've had, we've heard a couple rounds of gunfire, or I think there were several or two different times where there are multiple shots. And now you're getting a warning to evacuate from an unknown source. Go ahead, Brian. 
Yeah. So first on the gunshots, I still don't know if they have sorted out whether those were part of his recording loop about what that led into the warning. And I, I kind of tend to think about stuff in the aspect of if I'm going to run outside and go investigate, what am I going to do if I find myself in the middle of the situation? I know what law enforcement, just be, being a prepper, you should know what law enforcement sounds like. You should be aware of how law enforcement sort of an idea of what they do when they tell you to evacuate fire and stuff. And at the point where I would hear an evacuation, I'd probably go out, let me see what's going on. And if I don't see law enforcement outside or somebody coming and tell me to evacuate, then things aren't exactly normal going on. And I don't know that I would, again, run outside. Um, I might get away from the windows, get back in the house, and then tune in to see what I can see, what, what's happening on the news. Do I hear law enforcement coming around? And, I, and I'll tell you, law enforcement did a fantastic job in this thing from what I've seen. Uh, went in there, shut it down, got, you know, and and helped keep people safe. So. I think, again, a lot of times cowardice is a better part of valor when it comes to this stuff. If, if you're not going to go out there and get involved in it, what, what's the point of going outside? So get away with it. Gather more information. A lot of times people think they have to act mm -hmm. and they forget that inaction, intentional inaction can be your action of gathering more information, figuring out what's going on before you get yourself into a bind by uh, well, going out and exposing yourself. One of my pre favorite preparedness uh, authors, Arthur T. Bradley, has been on the show several times. He, you know, he says even in his book on the family disaster preparedness book, the number one rule of survival is to get out of the way. So I really don't think it's cowardice if you want to stay out of harm's way within your home right now and check it out. I sure know I wouldn't be, you know, you probably could handle something that, you know, you came across um, way more so than I could, but I'm going to keep myself secure in my home. I have absolutely no obligation to solve any of the problems that are out in the street out there. So at this point now you're hearing evacuate, leave the area immediately, but you don't know what direction that you're supposed to run to. Go ahead, Jeff. Here's a pr another problem with this. If you do go outside, now you are putting yourself in the center of something where the, now think of the guys that are in uniform, they're coming around, they've had reports of shots fired, now they're getting something saying there's a bomb. You end up outside, you may put yourself in a situation where you're going to have a problem with law enforcement because right away now, why are you out here? Who are you? And so you may end up at the, <laughs> a really bad position at the point of a gun. And Unfortunately, it happens. Uh, you may end up being shot if you're if you make the wrong move at that point. So going outside may be a very poor choice in this situation. That's an excellent point. I hadn't even thought of it myself. So let's say now we are um, we're in this situation where this gentleman McCoy, Mr. McCoy, said he had fallen back asleep, and the second round of gunshots he heard, he didn't bother, you know. Exploring, which he said was a really good thing because when the blast went off, the shock had the windows blown into the back of his house. He said, There would have been nothing left of me. I would have been ripped to shreds. He had a substantial door that he said was actually blown off of the hinges. So here I am now. Now we're going to ratchet it up another notch. We've had the gunshots, we've had the warning. Now it's go time. We've had a major explosion. The structural integrity of his shelter has been compromised. Windows blown in. He said there was debris falling on him, water probably from uh, broken pipes or fire alarm systems. And now this is where Jeff's point earlier on really comes into play. 
do you continue to stay in a home that has this kind of damage? Or now, do you venture out into the streets? Let's explore both options when we return after our break to thank our friends over at Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And you know what? It's free. And they have creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, and many more. And the best thing is, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everybody, this is the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. Joining Jeff Johnson and me today is Brian Duff, Mind for Survival website, also Army Ranger Special Forces veteran. This guy knows his stuff, and we're just absolutely delighted that he's joining us today. We're kind of talking about a blog that I'm going to publish in response to the Nashville bombing, and Brian's already gotten one out. We're going to get to his points in a little bit, but where we left off, was we've kind of escalated now this uh, alert levels from solo gunfires in an area where it's really not that uncommon to warnings from an unknown source to evacuate the area, but we don't know from which direction you want to evacuate and head to. And now we have an explosion and the, the structural integrity of the home has been compromised significantly let's weigh the benefits versus the risks of both options, which Jeff said at the beginning of the show was, do you shelter in place bugging in or do you go out and make your escape? Jeff, let's have you uh, share those sentiments on both and then we'll hear what Brian has to say. Well, at this point, you really are in a situation where you're, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Your shelter is now compromised. You cannot secure your location. So you pretty much are forced to... Uh, make a move to a secondary location that you may have set up in the in, at a prior time. You may have a family member that lives in an area, and you may have to bug out to that point and, and get to a safer location. At this point, you had an explosion. In Brian, you can you you can go with this because what you have in the past, and you would have to start at this point thinking terrorism. So terrorists in the past, what they would generally do is set off a device. And then have another device sitting around waiting for all the responders and everyone else to get out there to set off a secondary device. So you have a conundrum. Here's the, the age-old conundrum, as I spoke about in the beginning of this. Do you stay shelter in place or do you go? Because you, uh, you can make a case for both at this point. Brian? Yeah, no, I agree. I think you can make the case for both. Um, the one caveat I'll say is, like, like you mentioned, Jeff, is if you went outside when those gunshots fired and you're out there when the, when the bomb goes off, uh, it's not going to be a good outcome for you. Even though your house, you know, you lost your windows and stuff. Is it, is the, the main structure, is it falling down around you? That I think becomes the judgment call. And really what it, you really need to have, I believe is a, is a uh, plan in advance of which way you're going. If there's a bomb out in the street, you don't want to go out by the bomb. So do you have a, another way you can get out of your house, get away from it, put time and space, time and distance between you and the event. Um, and I think that is what people a lot of times need to really plan on like, hey, if, if my main route's out of my house is uh, blocked, how do I get out of here safely if there's something going on in the street? Again, gunshots. 
there's a shootout going out in your street. And you mentioned earlier, Jeff, about going out. I think one of the things that preppers need to remember too is a lot of times when we go out to a violent situation, hey, what's going on? Eh, a lot of people are, may tend to pick up their gun. And like you said, if you walk out and the police are outside and all of a sudden there's a bomb, a bunch of stuff going on, you present, put yourself in uh, in the front of a bunch of law enforcement officers are trying to figure it out and you don't behave properly, you may get in there, end up getting shot like you, said, you mentioned. So uh, have a plan, have an alternate plan and try to avoid going out near the bombs whenever possible. Yeah, and that's a great point, too, because your hearing could be impaired either because it always is and maybe you don't have your hearing aid in because it's that early or maybe the concussion has uh, temporarily at least impaired your hearing. And if you're not able to uh, respond appropriately to officers instructions, that might go bad badly for you as well. Uh, listener Frankie is saying not knowing how badly the structural integrity was compromised. I would leave in the opposite direction from the blast which the blast came, if I could, which is an excellent point, which ties into what you yep. both have said, have another way out. Because if there's a fire and there's a way out, assuming, you know, um, you're not stuck in your apartment and only have the window, but let's say, okay, we, we know that there's gunshots and there are also warnings to evacuate the area. Try and see if you're, you know, know ahead of time, this is part of planning. That's what we're going to get into in a little bit. Think about what other ways do you have to escape your building and get out of harm's way? Is there another street you can get to and then run? And there's no shame in running and escaping and getting out of the way. Your number one job is to survive for yourself and for your family. You have a family that needs you. This is really what got me into preparedness, by the way. You know, growing up in California, always hearing as a kid, oh, California is going to go into the ocean and you'd think it's going to happen any day. And then you realize, no, this is something we do need to prepare for, but in a different way um, than, than panic and that kind of being motivated purely by fear. So that's what got me when I became a mom. I wanted to be prepared because I owed it to the children I brought into the world. Now we know there's a way to evacuate. The other thing you have to think about, too, uh, to avoid, uh, my opinion, going out onto the same street where the blast already occurred, you're making an assumption that there's not another bomb where there'd already been one set off. And that, uh, you know, could also be something to lure people out to get out of their buildings because they might be fearful of the building collapsing. And then they can set off another bomb of equal or even greater strength. Is that a fair thing to consider? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a really fair thing to consider. And I think that preppers are usually a step ahead of the game. They've thought through some of the stuff. They've at least thought about it. So remember, as a prepper, you may be the last best hope in your in your family and your friend's uh, response paradigm to how you're going to deal with this. So if you run out and get yourself in a jam, next thing you know, you're the one that everybody was going to rely on. Now you've just made a bad situation worse. So I think when you look at this stuff, Try to not make these situations worse for you and your family. Again, I think Frankie had a good point. Head in the opposite direction. Yeah, get out. Uh, Julia in Oklahoma, it's good to know your sheriff. I'm thankful for mm -hmm. a plan. Thank you, girl, with people, with skills. She also says, also alternative communication in case cell phones, et cetera, are all out. And that's exactly what happened here because the building in question was an AT&T communication center. And I uh, took off the shelf and dusted off my ham radio operator study book. I am going to be 2021 20, is the year I get my ham radio operator license. 
But think about living in yeah, a place like yeah, this. Yeah, you and I, Suzanne, we both procrastinate. We're both procrastinators. Oh, so bad. This, one. this is it. I know. I I, <laughs> I, I picked mine up too. I go, oh, I got to get this done. But imagine if your family can't reach you, you can't get to your car, uh, and and they can't. How easy would it be if you all had a handheld and you could get out there and be in constant communication? So this is something I absolutely. I absolutely want to do, um, but that was that was a great comment. Also, what I had brought up on here, so the best response from here is absolutely, it's going to have to be a personal choice, but bear in mind the, the great points that Jeff and Brian have brought up. And even if you think that this isn't something that you need to prepare for, because again, like you mentioned in your blog, Brian, this is a very unusual event, but there are other events that are high risk, with no warning that you should always be prepared for, such as California, I talked about earthquakes. That could be very high risk and you never know what's going to happen. If it's going to be a seven, I, I lived in California when they had the Loma Prieta quake. No warning for that, significant damage. Or uh, a tornado, you get a little bit more warning there, but you're still going to have to find, I, I thought for either one, what would you wanna do? Get into the interior part of your house, the gunshots don't run to the windows. You don't want to run to the windows in a major earthquake or tornado warning, right? Get into the interior part of your house, possibly a place with the tile, like a bathroom or something like that. Again, as lame as this sounds and as silly as you might think you look, I know for people thinking about uh, tornadoes, it's uh, one of the things we say to do is have bicycle helmets or other helmets, ways to protect your head available and there's no shame in putting that on <laughs> if you think there's a, if there's a warning that there's going to be an explosion i would put on everything i could protect my head my body and something like that and if nothing happens no one needs to know you don't have to take a selfie with a bicycle helmet on when you're hanging out in your bathtub that'd be a pretty cool time to take a selfie though i, I think <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I don't think there should be people should not worry what they appear like if they're trying to be safe and extend their life. You know, there's you see people overseas. We'd have guys when we were driving around that would want to they wouldn't want to wear their helmets. They want to wear their hats because, ah, you know, helmets are not cool, I guess. I'm like, I'm all about wearing my hel my helmet. And it literally saved my life one day when we got hit and I bounced off the windshield so that that not so cool stuff is really cool when it saves your life. And I highly recommend taking every precaution when you're in your house to save your life. Wearing the bicycle helmet, like you said, during an earthquake or stuff to protect your head. Your dome is what you think with. Your dome is what keeps you alive. It's your best preparedness tool out there. Protect it. And then uh, Julia from Oklahoma also brings up and sturdy shoes. And what we're going to do is take a quick break to thank our musical sponsor, Roxanne, and get into how to prepare for something like this. And then as we wrap up the show, Brian's going to share his thoughts from his Mind for Survival blog, which is outstanding. So we want to make sure that we save a, uh, a significant amount of time for that. We'll be right back. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com.
Okay, everybody, this is, uh, I think, the third segment of the Red Hot Chili Prepper. We're discussing a preparedness perspective of the Nashville bombing. We're not going down the rabbit hole, who did it and why. What we're going to talk about is the best way to survive this incident, how to prepare and why you'd want to prepare. Even if you don't think that a uh, bombing in your neighborhood is reason to be prepared, this continental landmass is the most dangerous one on the planet earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, or wildfires, there are many reasons that you might have to leave your home immediately with very little warning. And as we left uh, the last segment, Julia from Oklahoma, weighing in on Facebook, by the way, if you're on Anchor and want to participate in the show, follow us on Facebook at the Red Hot Chili Prepper. Also, Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show. And we broadcast these live and then Jeff uploads them to Anchor. So some of the ways to be prepared have a plan if something like this happens. So again, I'm not concerned about a bomb. Well, okay, if you live in an area where they have tornadoes, where you can have an earthquake, anybody, there can be a wildfire, there can be a raging fire in your own apartment building, no warning, high risk, shelter in place is not an issue, not an option, I should say. What do you need to do? And this is what I first thought of in California too, sturdy shoes. Little gym cross trainers aren't going to cut it. In a situation like this, the debris will shred the soles of those feet. And then you're going to have to deal with an injury, particularly if it's a time when maybe emergency services will be overtaxed and you don't want to deal with a heavy, you know, significant laceration in your foot at that time. So have a, a sturdy pair of work boots, something like that with thick soles, some ankle supports, so you can get out of there. Think shards of glass, think uh, shards of metal, things that will slice your foot really easily. You really wanna have uh, something like that done. Have a plan, have an escape plan. We talked about that earlier on the show. We are not talking about grabbing a go bag and having food and water and supplies and crap to keep your kids entertained for the next four days. We are talking about getting out and surviving the situation, Tracy Finale, and no yoga pants. I think the gentleman would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I love our listeners. Yeah, no, Ryan, that's a good point. I... <laughs> oh, so yeah, uh, one of the things I would tell, I think those were all perfect points that people need to take into account. The other thing is have, in the military, we call it a rally point, but have a place uh, somewhere away from your house, five, 10 minutes away, maybe, somewhere that's out of the uh, danger area, where you and your family can meet up at if maybe somebody's at the store when something happens. So now the communications are down, you leave your house. Well, now how do they get a hold of you? Actually have a place where you say, hey, we're gonna meet at this spot. If that spot is compromised, we're gonna meet at this other spot. You know, two is one, one is none kind of thing. But have a place where you're gonna meet up with. So that way you guys, if you can't communicate, you can at least get a um, within a reasonable amount of time, everybody can be there and go, okay. We, we have everybody and at least form a plan if you have to go find somebody maybe your kids are at school and you need to go get your kids but at least have that that so where everybody can show up in case communications are down and you can get a hold of everybody and you know what that's another reason why everybody in your family should have a handheld uh ham radio because even if if, if you don't need to have an operator's license in an emergency situation um and if you're broadcasting at that point you know it's not going to be a big deal and it's also a way to get some great information, again, if the other comms are down. Go ahead, yeah. Jeff. So anyway, that was my comment. I said I started out with, and I at, when I first started out in all this and getting uh, prepared with this stuff, I couldn't aff afford expensive comms. 
So I bought a Beifong, and I think I spent sixty some sixty some bucks on it, and it it's a inexpensive ham radio. Um, it's good. I mean, it's not waterproof. It's it's not really shockproof, but it, it's good for what it is. And as I upgraded my kit, I went up to a Yaesu VX6R. It has a titanium frame. It's uh, definitely more of a military grade. It's it's submersible. You can submerse it up to thirty meters. It's it's not uh, it's again not terribly expensive. It's under three hundred dollars, but I it's definitely an upgrade from the Bayfongs, and so that's what I did. I I started out with, with at my budget, and then as I, I was able to improve my kit, I was able to go to a better comms. I mean, I could go to the eight R now and have, add GPS to all this stuff, but you know what? Again, now you're looking at seven hundred bucks for that handheld, so. You know, you got to weigh your pros and cons for all your comms and what what you're going to put in your kit because you you know you 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 only have so much money, but you want to get the basics. You want to start out. You want to at least get something. And if you have to go with the bay phones, then you go with the bay phones, and then then you just start improving your kit over the years as you uh, have the extra cash to do so. Also, I actually wrote a blog about that. You can find it on my website. I'll try and get to the link when one of you gentlemen are talking. Um, it's about when the world goes silent, how to keep your communications up. And I also wrote an article for that for um, Survival Dispatch. So if you want to subscribe to Insider Magazine, join them, and then you can uh, find that one. I wrote that earlier in the year, and that was up. So we explain a lot of different means to communicate when the traditional uh, means that you expect landlines or just your cell phones are are out. We talked about uh, virtual private networks and some of the messaging apps and things like that that will work if you don't have uh, some of the traditional means of getting to each other. So yeah, do check that out and I'll put the, the link up there as well. So Suzanne, again, yeah, go ahead. Suzanne, Brian wanted to make a comment there about that. Yeah, real quick too. Remember, if you can't get through by uh, on a voice call to somebody from your cell phone, a lot of time the network still may be working so that you can send a text message. And text messages require very little bandwidth and they're kind of shot in a big burst. So if you go on and send a quick text message, hey, a bomb out front, I'm at Denny's three blocks away, meet me here and, and I'm okay kind of thing. A lot of times that might take a few minutes to get through. A lot of times those text messages will still get out there. So remember, if you can't get through on a voice, don't think the cell phone's done, go ahead and try, try using text as well. Just a quick aside, I'll show you it's another way that worked for us was um, I unplug my landline when we broadcast, because if I want my phone to ring, all I needed to go do is go live and start recording. <laughs> and I, it was Mother's Day. I think it was either this year or last year. But my son said, hey, let's go for a ride. It was in the afternoon and their dad had just left. And my other son was here. He stayed home. And we took a drive down this road out of cell signal because there just is very little service up here in the mountains where I, I live. And we went down this road past this um, hunting lodge where I know, and it's a great place, way to see wildlife. And we're way down this road now. And the cooling line on his car pops. And I said, you're driving this thing out of here. No, I'm going to blow up my engine. I don't care. Well, we had some water. I had a gallon of water in there. We poured it in and we nursed that thing up. We nursed that thing up to the road where my neighbors were just driving by. And I said, hey, I'm Suzanne. Oh, we know who you are. Hop in when they gave us a ride home. The point was, though, there was no way we could get a phone call out, but we were able to message his dad on Facebook Messenger, and that was able to get to him. Uh, or, like I said, a text, something like that. But a phone call, 
yeah. it's not going to work, but there are still other means to try. What we're going to do is, uh, again, necessitate the point, or, or let's reemphasize the point, a rally point. Also, have a plan ahead of time. If something like this happens, people you can stay with. Have some supplies there ahead of time, some food, some other things, some extra clothing, where if you have to run out of your house and you don't have time for your go bags, please don't stop for those and look around for that wedding album or photo album or anything before you need to get out. Uh, have some stuff there and then know these people also can come to your place if the same thing happens to them. That's part of planning. So we're going to take one more break for our friends at Anchor and then Brian's going to share his insights from Mind for Survival, his latest blog, as well as let everybody know how to follow him. We'll be right back. Okay, everybody, this is the third and final segment of the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast here on Anchor FM. And Brian Duff is going to share his thoughts on the Nashville bombing. Is this going to be a new American tradition? Brian, before we get started on that, let our listeners know where they can follow you, subscribe to your blog, and hear your podcast as well. Yeah, so you can find me over at mind4survival.com. And also, I uh, do a podcast and YouTube channel with uh, Dale Goodwin from Survival's Prepper. So you can find us over at duffandale.com or the Duff and Dale Show on YouTube. Love to have people there and uh, definitely make some comments and let us know what's going on. There is the link for your for your blog right there, mindforsurvival.com forward slash Nashville bombing. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know whether it will be a new American tradition, but what I do know, and I think everybody will probably agree, is we are at a time in our nation when we have the most irate emotions going on on all corners and ends of the political spectrum right now. So literally, there are so many people with an axe to grind, so many people that are upset to not go about your day understanding that people are going to uh, maybe doing irrational things right now. It's rational to them, but maybe not uh, so much to you, whether that's mass shootings, just random shootings, whether that's, you know, people going down to blow up an AT&T building for whatever reasons happening. happening. I, I feel that we're at a time where the danger for us as American citizens walking about our streets, why you should be able to walk normally around the streets without having much of a worry there is a danger out there. So if you see something that's out of the ordinary, if you hear something that's so out of the ordinary, like, you know, a, a warning to get away because there's a bomb getting ready to go off or what have you, heed it and do the best that you can to take care of yourself because we are living in times. I mean, I was on Twitter today and there are people on the left saying, you know, when people say, hey, can we move it? Where Joe Biden said, can we move on and have peace and quiet now or whatever he said? People on the left say, no, they want, they want blood out of Trump people. And then there's people on the right saying the same thing about the left. So the, the downside is just like when, when I was overseas where innocent families would be going to the store, they would go be going about their day and they get caught in the crossfire, they get caught in a bombing that was intended for somebody else. Need to have, our, I think we need, people need to be more vigilant moving into 2021. We can see that things are, are not, I don't feel calming down anytime soon. So uh, do the best you can to protect yourself and understand that there may be more of this happening out there, whether this was a lone wolf or something else uh, entirely, it could motivate. It just showed that if you get an RV, you can get enough explosives out there to literally blow up a city block pretty much nowadays. You need to be prepared for that kind of stuff. And the after effects, like you said, you know, having communications when they when the cell networks go down or the power grid goes down in your area or or farther. So you need now, to take all, three of, all three of us here have ways that we travel around the country 
uh, with our campers. I have an RV. And the first thing I, one of the first things I thought when I saw this was, oh boy, wait now for those of us that have these recreational type vehicles like this, the motorhomes, the RVs, the, the campers that you like to tow around and wait till we're look, looked at with suspicion. And are our RVs going to be blocked off from city limits? You know, when you have a camper that you tow around, you're able to detach that and drive away in a vehicle and kind of be more of the gray man. But I have a class uh, C motorhome. And uh, that's my means of transportation. I have all my stuff with me. And it was very, it looked very much like the one that was used in this explosion. I'm wondering now if we're going to be subject to invest to uh, checkpoints, for instance, uh, are larger vehicles, are we, are RVs going to be subjected to um, commercial inspections like the trucks are going to be? Are we going to be banned from going into uh, city areas, especially large cities like this? You know, what's what's this going to be? I mean, when we went to um, Hoover Dam, the first time I saw this at the dam was when we went to, I think in 2012, we went to the Glen Canyon Dam and here we are about to go on a, on a raft ride. And I'm told anybody that has something sharp has to leave it behind. Well, I had my survival bag with me. Of course I had knives and, and all, you know, multi-tools and everything else that wasn't going to be allowed. So I had to run back to my motorhome and leave that behind. But are RVs going to be subject to this kind of inspection? When we went to Hoover Dam, my gosh, that was like a TSA checkpoint at the airport where they just showed up and they were looking in our windows and I knew some uh, people that tried to take that route with uh, hauling cars for a race, and they just went in there and inspected everything. So one of my fears is that we're going to have a lot uh, more security just for trying to travel around this manner. Go ahead. Can, can I just tell a quick story? I don't think I ever told you this, Suzanne. I took my nephew and his uh, wife and their baby down to Philadelphia to the Independence Hall, and there's all these checkpoints you go through. You have to go through all these checkpoints to get into these things. and. And of course, what do I do? I forget to take my folding knife out of my pocket. And I'm like, oh, crap. So I say, here, let's put this in your backpack. And then we get closer. Oh, crap. There's a metal detector we got to go through. They're going to see this uh, in the bag. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, okay, this, I, I'll, just, I'll just tell them. So I pulled out my shield and my uh, ID. And I go, listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an officer. And I... I put my, I had my folding knife in my pocket. I put it in their backpack. You want me to take it out? I'll leave it. I don't care. It's not that terribly expensive. And they're like, oh, no, you, oh, you're an officer? Great. Oh, don't worry about it. Just go ahead on. We're, we're cool. That's all right. Thanks for letting us know. And I, and I was like, I was really impressed with the Philadelphia cops. I, that was my one experience with a Phil. I mean, I love John the cop. He's now retired. Uh, he was a Philadelphia police officer. Congratulations, John. I wish I was retired, too. So there you go. But that was just a funny instance where going through a checkpoint, I had a knife, but uh, fortunately, my shield got me through. Julia had a question you wanted me to answer. So let me bring that up right yeah. now. Yeah. What do you think are the most likely targets for bombers in our 2020 decade, Brian? Well, I think just like this one appears to be directed at AT&T, look at the, the infrastructure that is hot button topics. I mean, AT&T you know, there's, there's all the conspiracy theories going on about the Dominion voting and all that. And we know there's a lot of people who are dead set against 5G. So it could have been, it could be that, who knows? So I would look at big areas that uh, the, the tech companies, 
the uh, a lot of we know that there's been a lot of demonstrations against law enforcement. So, you know, law enforcement uh, uh, buildings, uh, federal buildings, government centers, because right now it's not right wing conspiracy people that are targeting stuff and, and left isn't doing it. Everybody it has an axe to grind with somebody somewhere in the government. So yeah. Um, and I'm going to add Big Pharma. I think you might see yeah. Big Pharma on that list. There's a lot of angst about the vaccines. I, well, I'm not going to take the vaccine, but I'm not going out to, you know, I'm not going to go out and hurt someone over it. But, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, there's a lot of angst over the f- Big Pharma and these vaccines. Yeah, well, and don't I, forget, too. Oh, go ahead. Uh, like, I just wanted to reiterate a point you made here about what this really means for the average American is, is that, you know, you're right. The game really has changed. and you, you know, it's just a reminder, as you say in this blog, that life is precious and yeah. just just really focus on that. And I think a lot of us just take a lot of things for granted uh, with regards to relationships. If you have, you know, if you have relationships that need fixing, try to fix them. Don't leave your loved ones in anger. And and uh, I think we need to use this as as maybe an opportunity to, to kind of take take assess what we can do to make our interpersonal relationships better. You know, start from your inner circle, maybe work that way out. And maybe it's a little bit, I don't know, uh, idealistic to think, but maybe if people can have a greater appreciation for life, we can uh, expand this sentiment and hopefully this won't be the new normal. Yeah, I think people need to remember too right now is uh, they're kicking the can down the road. We have the, the rent apocalypse possibly coming up at the end of J- January. You know, I, I don't know what the numbers are at. The last numbers I heard were 12 million households that are behind five to $6,000 uh, on their rent right now, plus all the family members in those households. So we're literally looking at millions of people who possibly could be forced out on the streets here in the next few months. The economy's crap. There, there's just so much happening right now that is really devastating people's lives and the way they've gone about their lives that there's a lot of rough emotions out there right now. So you you just never know. And the, and quite honestly, there's the polarization is, uh, is really bad right now. I mean, the the left, I mean, you look at how the left is committed to going out in the streets and committing arson and looting and everything else. Uh, The polarization has gotten off the hook and I don't see any, end of that in the early part of 2021 and as you said i think that things will get worse as uh things get worse i i believe that you'll see the con- the economy will become a big issue as you said with these uh evictions possibly coming up i don't believe that the bubble will hold in the market i believe that the market will make a a, a a huge adjustment sometime in uh 2021 Hope uh, you know I I hope I'm wrong, but I I just don't see my I don't see it being wrong. Well, interestingly, with the market too, it was soaring after Donald Trump signed the spending debacle that he said he wasn't going into, which should really illuminate for anybody who still questions the fact that there's no correlation between a thriving stock market and a healthy economy. It ain't about us, folks. And Brian, back in August when I called you about another matter. That thing I saw in the sky. <clears throat> um, <laughs> we, our conversation, I think we were at it for over an hour talking about so many things, but you had mentioned back then the impending commercial real estate bust. You just mentioned the housing market. We already had a housing bubble and saw the ramifications of that. But what you had told me was that's going to be a, a cakewalk compared to the 
the collapse of commercial real estate. So let's look at that right now. Theaters. I think the Great Mall had stopped making payments on its mortgage back in May, if I'm correct. We're going to see a lot of these buildings just become vacated. And uh, why don't you expound upon that, and then we'll wrap up the show. Yeah, I think it's good to think about when people think about commercial real estate right now, that not only have you had places that are going out of business, the Great Mall and stuff, and, and the theaters and all that, you have a lot of companies who have all have always been traditional companies, you know, uh, that have large buildings with lots of people in it. They want them to come in to work every day and type on their keyboard so they can be there for their eight hours a day and it makes the bosses happy. And they spend a lot of money on that real estate. Well, because of COVID, most people are working from home now and companies are realizing that, oh, we don't need to have this expense of having people sit here. I can buy a person a computer, make sure they have decent internet and a desk and a printer and sit them at home and I can save a ton of money. So you're seeing, I think you're going to see also a lot of commercial real estate that just has businesses say, we don't need this expense anymore. So you'll have, you know, look at Washington, D.C., look at any of the big cities that have lots and lots of office buildings. A lot of those office buildings, I don't think you may not see them come back. So before when we had the uh, housing crisis back in 2007, 2008, that was a housing crisis. Well, they got back on that same thing, no doc loans and all this stuff. So we know a lot of people are going to be losing, possibly losing their homes. Well, we didn't have a commercial real estate crisis at the same time. So when you lump those two together, and I just did a, a blog post on it today or yesterday, uh, look at modern monetary theory that you're hearing come around on the left now. A lot of, you'll hear MMT and a lot of modern monetary theory. Check it out because what they're basically doing now is they have kind of cobbled together a bunch of ideas from the past to create this modern monetary theory. And what they're saying is government does not need to worry about the tax base and the taxes they bring in. They can do deficit spending and then they go to the tax base afterwards if their deficits get too big. So they're basically kind of filtering together a, a theory to justify why they don't have budgets, why they're deficit spending, why they're going down all these roads. And the theory says, it, basically when you read through it, is that the taxpayer is gonna be left holding the bag. And, and it has nothing to do with our enjoyment, life, liberty, uh, pursuit of happiness, anything like that. And it's it's basically justifying government runaway spending. So I think it's setting us up for a big disaster coming up in 2021. So Suzanne, I think the other day I was talking to you about it. I said, we went up to the local mall, the Arnott Mall here. And when I got there, we're down to now one big chain. J.C. Penney's is the last store standing in that mall. Sears is gone. Macy's gone. Boscov's gone. All the major chains are gone. So you go to all the all the big stores in there that were the anchor to the mall. They're gone. They're history. No more. And I don't think J.C. Penney's will last much longer there either. You walk around that mall. The food court's empty. All the all the restaurants have closed up there. The uh, Regal Cinema's gone. Most of the small small stores, your small corporate stores in there, they're all gone. That mall, I don't know how it's still open at this point. I, it can't be making any money. And uh, I, it's just the point that just goes to what Brian was saying, that there's a lot of commercial properties that are going to start crashing because there's just no one going there. And, it, and if the government's doing this on purpose, don't, you know, don't, I'm not going to, but I'm not going to get political on this, but it, there's there's an intent on this, and we're gonna we're gonna we us people are gonna pay the price for all this stuff that crashes, and it's not you know that's why we talk about preparedness. And remember, when it comes to all of this stuff too, we've been on a sort of a, a 
uh, a bubble of suspended animation with regards to the economy right now, right? There's no, people are getting, you can't, you know, people don't have to pay rent. Mortgages aren't being paid and we're just pushing this can. And so every month there's more and more people losing their jobs that aren't paying their rent. So while we think about, oh, there's some people back there, this thing is just snowballing as it's going. And we're kind of standing down at the end of the mountain, looking at this giant snowball coming at us. And it's, you know, maybe they figure a way out of it. I, I tend to think that we're we're in for a rough road coming up here in about six months. Well, this is why it's so important. And even if you are on a budget, again, look on uh, look on our website, uh, SuzanneCSherman.com. I have a blog on there, preparing on a budget, balancing your financial issues with the need to prepare. Come together as a community. Have, like you said, a rally point where maybe you can go and stay, have supplies, and then know that you have a group that can come together when this happens, because we're going to have to rely on each other. We see what government's done to us under the auspices of keeping us safe. Meanwhile, they'll say, uh, stay home, stay safe. While you know, our leaders go on vacations and go see their family. And, you know, for them, there's no new normal. They haven't stopped what they're doing. And uh, they're they're expecting people like us to make all the sacrifices, the people that are in the health departments that are shutting everybody down in the uh, county's offices, the governor's offices. These people haven't missed a paycheck. They don't no. care about you. The more you care or the more you rely on government to save you, to keep you safe, the greater the calamity, the greater your disappointment's going to be. So ending this on a positive note, again, as, as, as much as it's possible after a bombing, think about other aspects, why you would want to be prepared if you don't think something like this kind of unrest is enough of a point. Even though, like you said, Brian, this is, uh, this is something we need to start thinking about. This is post 9-11. Uh, we're seeing this come down more and more. Be prepared. Be self-reliant. That is how you are resilient. I'm Suzanne Sherman. This has been the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. On behalf of myself and Jeff Johnson, we want to thank Brian Duff, mindforsurvival.com, uh, for joining us today. And uh, we really appreciate it. And if you like the show, please support us for as little as 99 cents a month. Thank you for listening. 